0: Ladies and gentlemen, just a quick warning, during the introduction of the podcast, it gets quite loud. I've done my very best to edit it down so it won't, but if you're wearing headphones, you've been warned it shouldn't be more than 15, 20 seconds into the interview. Thank you very much, and enjoy the show.
1: Hi, I'm Im Ladrasil, and welcome to JT's Canadian Corner of the Internet!
0: welcome ladies and gentlemen to yet another episode of JT's Canadian corner of the internet we are on to our third interview today with the wonderfully talented Imla Duelle as you've just heard uh, silver placing and his first paint competition at the master series paint competition at what is it this year that Reaper was ReaperCon this year mm-hmm. with with two models which is absolutely fantastic uh, a longtime viewer and talented artist, the reason I have a professional coach now, so thank you very much, I'm going to call you Dan for the remainder of this, I apologize. Please do. Um, but thank you very much for joining me, I appreciate it very much. And uh, before, before we get carried away into the actual questions end of it, the... The reason we have this going today is we did a art swap earlier this year where we traded Minotaurs. Uh, do you want yeah. to Do you want to revisit that and how you've seen it all come together and where that is, and then we'll move into the interview questions.
1: Sure. Yeah. So I was. Uh, uh... I knew that Valheim was coming out. Uh, Valheim is a, is a, is a uh, open-world survival type game. And in fact, one night over Discord, I was watching you and a couple of other guys, uh, I think Daily and a couple of others, uh, running around playing this game. And I'm like, man, I should not buy this game because I will get sucked in. And so, uh, but I kept watching. And I'm like, I'm going to get sucked into this game. I'm not going to be able to avoid like, playing this game. And so, and of course I did, uh, but in order to keep me from getting completely sucked in, because a few years ago, I lost about a good 2000 hours into Arc Survival Evolved uh, while I was uh, between jobs. And so, um, in order to save me from myself, you reached out and said, Hey, we're going to do a try hard piece. And we, can, uh, and, and we can get some of the other folks in the community to come along with us. And we should do a try-hard piece. I think at one point you were suggesting c- trying to do some sort of like a competition or whatnot. And uh, the idea really appealed to me. I was less interested in doing a competition. Um, but I threw a couple of ideas back at you. And uh, we agreed to do uh, an art swap. So, yeah, try-hard piece. Uh, we picked the same mini and uh we both uh painted up the best we can and then at the end we do a big reveal and we trade pieces and i had an absolute blast with that i'm so glad you reached out and said dan don't get sucked into valheim and uh and kept me painting during that uh during that period of time so um honestly it was really bittersweet kind of setting that one off i was like man i I would love to be able to keep this one, but I'm not gonna obviously because uh, you know we we had an agreement. But um, it was one of my favorite pieces, I'd, and I'm glad to someplace that uh, where it's appreciated.
0: And I'll level with you: I had and not only at the end of that did I have the same feelings of being like, man, I would love to just leave this in my cabinet over here, like because I had both of them right, and I, that was that was yeah. the kicker: is I had both of the minis <laughs> at one point in time. And I'm like, man, well, that was the
1: risk I was taking by sending mine out early. <laughs> I
0: was like, man, I could just leave these, um, but but same thing. That was that was one of those things where I was like, no, like I've got Dan's. The idea is to to trade them. So I did have that. The other thing worth noting that I thought was really interesting was when we when I when we started that and we were looking through miniatures. Um. It was kind of astounding how quickly you and I were both on the same wavelength for style of miniature because I remember it was like a text message one day through Discord and we were like, hey, what about a Minotaur? Because we had a short discussion about like what model yeah. we wanted to do and and I would like, you were like, what about these ones from Lot Minis? And we're totally not sponsored so it doesn't even matter. Uh but I was like, hey Matt, I was actually just looking at those. So I remember getting that text message and being like, Yeah, let's let's do a Minotaur, which I thought was really cool. So Yeah. Um and we didn't uh maybe didn't get as much community interaction as maybe we would have liked. I think uh we had Gore show up, which was fantastic, and his interview is yeah. coming at a later date. And uh But that was, it was still, it was still very cool. And we'll touch on on this whole thing uh, a little more later in the discussion. So uh, just to get those starter questions out of the way, Dan, so everyone knows that at one point in time that you didn't just, hey, I'm going to paint miniatures and now you're the godly painter that you are. Uh, I did that in the wrong order, but we'll come back to that other one. Take us back to the beginning. Take us back to the very beginning. When you said, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to paint tiny plastic assholes." Like this is this is something I want to do. This is something I'm interested in. Is there an event? Is there a sitting or a viewing or an artist that triggered you to be like, "I'm in." What what was that event?
1: Yeah, so I didn't really have that kind of an event where I made a conscious decision to, uh, like, seek out miniature painting. Um, so there's, uh, so my gateway drug is D&D, uh, Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, played a lot back during, uh, you know, Satanic Panic. And, uh, you know, when uh, when I had to keep all of my D&D books in my car, because uh, Dad wouldn't let me bring that demonic shit in the house, right? right. Uh, all the way back in the '80s and whatnot. So I, I played, I've played D and D off and on for a lot of years, and uh, more recently, uh, you know, once my son got old enough where he could play with us, it's been really exciting to play, you know, D and D games with him and his friends and some of my friends and whatnot. So there's a guy on YouTube. His name is Matt Colville, and he had been putting out. Just a steady stream of these uh, YouTube videos on uh, essentially how to how to become a better DM. And I just absolutely loved his videos. He had been doing it for a long time. And then at one point he uh, launched a Kickstarter uh, for a source book um really about how to build you know, how to how to build a castle and how to build followers and all that. It's like a, a you know, third party source book. Um, He wanted to do some streaming, and then he also had some minis in there. And I had never Kickstarted anything before, uh, but I love this guy's content. He's just legit. And so I got into this Kickstarter, and he had five Gemstone Dragons that were all Kickstarter exclusive. And so I was kind of on the fence for a while. I'm like, you know, I really want to support this guy. He's cool. I like him. Uh, would love to get a chance to like throw him some money because he's helped my he's helped me improve my DMing ability and my skill and all that. So and they're you know, Kickstarter exclusive. That's how they get you, right? So I went uh, I went all in and got all five of them. So I ordered these things, I'm sitting through the Kickstarter. I dug around enough to know that like Kickstarter, you know, have long lead times that sort of thing. So I'm waiting. And then he starts coming out with these videos of, like, the the um, the initial, uh, you know, test casts and some of the other things. And I had no idea what to expect. But I'm watching him do this unboxing, and it comes out of this little box, and it's all gray. And it's in pieces, because these are resin casts. And I'm like, I just dropped a load of money on these things, and they're not even... Painted and they're not even put together. I gotta assemble this. And so I kind of got sucked in. I got pulled into this hobby uh unknowingly. And so about that time, it was uh Father's Day, what, three and a half years ago? Um, and I was talking to my wife and I was like, I I probably ought to figure out how to paint these things. Because I just spent hundreds of dollars on them, and I don't want to mess them up. Like, you know, I should probably figure out how to do it. So we went over to the game store. It was Father's Day, and uh, we were out for the day, kind of, you know, knobbing around and, you know, out to lunch or whatever. And we stopped into the game store, and I picked up a package of orcs and a package of gnolls, uh, the WizKids versions, and uh, I was showing them to my wife. I'm like, I'm not sure which one I want. She's like, just get both of them. You'll use them in your game, right? Okay, well, and it's Father's Day, so I, I came home with two packages, four models of WizKids minis uh, with an intent to figure out how to how to paint miniatures so that I could paint up these, uh, these several hundred dollars of Kickstarter-exclusive uh, Gemstone Dragons that I had got. So I got home, Dug the craft paints out of the closet, half of them all dried up. You know whatever brushes were in there, and got started. And it wasn't long before I was hooked, like really hooked, and decided that I, re- I really wanted to get good at this.
0: Just because I know somebody is going to inquire when they hear this. Uh, so you go you go down to the hobby store. Uh, three four years ago Father's Day, you pick yourself up a couple of Whiz Kids, and I've got. I've got two or three questions that pertain to that particular transaction. Mm-hmm. Um, a, were they the pre-primed WizKids, and did you prime them? Uh, the second question, which is kind of a combo question as well, uh, what paints and brushes did you end up walking away from with that transaction, or did you end up just using whatever you had at home whether it be like testers or model paints or t- you know craft paints or whatever you had kicking around the house. Yeah. Um
1: they were the pre-primed. Um I did not strip them. I didn't prime them. I didn't know any better. Right? I uh so I don't think I even washed them to be honest with you. Like I didn't I didn't know. Um and I uh I didn't come home with any paints. I came home and dug through all the craft paints that were sitting in the closet and uh found some brushes and uh and got started that way um so they were um by the time i finished those first ones though i did end up going back out to the hobby store a different hobby store where they do sell uh, a number of hobby paints and I, i did start picking up a couple just a couple of colors to kind of make sure that i uh you know well i need a i need a green right I don't have a, like, I don't have a good green. You know, this craft paint green is... So I went over and, you know, would pick up, like, um, you know, a couple of colors at a time. And over over time, and I never, like, went out and bought... I did buy a couple of sets. I bought a couple of the v- Vallejo sets. Um, I got their ink set, and I got their... I think one of their metal sets. Um, but by and large, almost everything that I have bought uh, over the last three and a half years or so has been a couple of paints at a time. I'll go in, I'll shop around, and paints are cheap, so I can feel good about, like, supporting my local hobby, shore, hobby store uh, by buying 6 six or $8 worth of paints, and I've, like, helped them out, but I haven't bought, like, a $100 model kit or, or you know, a, a box of GW, you know, stuff. A box
0: of GW crack that came like the latest and greatest on the three week turnaround that seems to happen with GW. Yeah. Which is fantastic. I didn't know that. Uh this is fantastic. I'm excited to know that. So you haven't you haven't really been in the game that long, so to speak. Um
1: No, I, mean, no, I was forty
0: six when I got started. So you were you were playing you're playing D, right? You're playing D D for many yep. years. And I wanna I wanna half comment on that particular notion about like the whole satanic panic thing there. Uh I'm an eighties baby, so while you may have had to deal with the depths of it, I remember being late nineties and we were in a I was in a bookstore with my old man and it was very clear that I was interested in uh like fantasy. you know, I was the read all the Lord yeah. of the Rings books and You know the Hobbit, and my old man had shared that with me and stuff like that. And I remember going into, I think it was, was it Coles? Anyways, it doesn't matter. And they had they had a D and D book in there, and I must have only been like ten or eleven at the time. And I remember asking because I didn't have my own money. I was like, hey you know dad like can I get this book like and I was like man this is this isn't a home run like I haven't asked him for a fucking video game or anything like this is gonna be like right yeah knock this right out of the park and uh he says no that's not good that book tries to take over your mind and that's not under no certain so I was just kind of like that's weird but all right whatever right like I I didn't think anything of it but but like this will be the third conversation now that I've had when talking about like D and D and that sort of thing, where it's kind of been like, yeah, at the Satanic Panic, my dad, I, I was like, that was that was very much my story as well. Except I never, I never got back into D and D. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. the which I think was great. So we're gonna backpedal a little bit because I jumped a question here. What do you got on the paint sure. desk? Let's let's describe to the people here what you got on the paint desk, what you're working on, and what they're for.
1: Uh, my current project right now is the uh, Merc from Big Child Creatives. Uh, he's kind of a Japanese samurai orc, uh, like an oni or an orc. And um, it's my first uh, Big Child Creatives model. Um, it's 55 mil scale, and it is fantastic. And I'm having an absolute blast with it. So, um, I'm uh, the working title, it'll probably end up being called this, but um, uh, it's named uh, Destruction Blows In on the Sunrise. And so, we'll get some pictures up for it eventually. But uh, I'm painting this up. Hopefully, I, I shouldn't have any trouble with this. I will uh, be bringing this to Warfare Weekend uh, that first week of November. And... We'll be putting this into the competition there, so.
0: Which is fantastic. And um, speaking of competitions, uh, you're coming. You're coming hot off of your first ever public competition. At, yeah. At ReaperCon, headed towards uh, Warfare Weekend. Do you want to quickly elaborate for those of us who are uncultured what,
1: where, and what is Warfare Weekend? Yeah, sure. So this will be my first year. Um, We can talk a little bit about cons as well. Uh, I discovered the whole convention scene and discovered Adepticon um, just in time for it to be canceled. And so pretty much my entire painting life, I've been um, uh, kind of doing it in a vacuum. So ReaperCon was the first convention I've ever attended, um, and Warfare will be the second convention I, I will have ever attended so it's down in st louis uh st louis missouri it's got a large gaming and tournament uh scene there they do i want to say privateer press has a big uh piece of their tournament series is there i'm sure there's games workshop and and i think parabellum is going to be there and a number of others and so it's a much a much smaller version, I think, probably of something like an Adepticon, um, where probably the probably sixty to seventy percent of that is going to be all about the gaming. Uh, but they do have a painting competition there. They've got several different categories. Um, I'm going to be probably in three out of the four, and that's really just because I just don't have time to put together a diorama in the amount of time that I've got. So I've got something for a single figure. I've got something for group, and this oni will be in um, uh, large figure. They've they've done something that's uh, a little bit weird, where they've kind of grouped a whole bunch of stuff together. So they got like large figure, bust, monster. They're all kind of smashed into one big, one big category.
0: And and I think like so much like yourself, like I've I've lived inside the painting vacuum of both. The the most broken vacuum I've ever painted inside of is being on Twitch for as long as I have been, um, which is about th- I guess it's three years. We just did the three year stream anniversary, so uh, when like I haven't entered any quote unquote public competitions. I've entered uh, Miniacs Meat Grinder, and we can touch on that a little bit later if you like when we get into the cons and stuff. But it is. Uh, It is interesting to see, right? And it's very cool. I know uh, from conversations we had after your ReaperCon visit that you're really looking forward to getting some coaching there from, I believe it was Eric Swinson. Is that the appropriate name?
1: Yes. So Eric was there uh, at ReaperCon, and he's running the same set of classes at Warfare Weekend uh, in St. Louis, early November. And last I checked, which was earlier today... Um, there are still seats open in those. Uh, so on one hand, if you're going to be at Warfare or you can get there, uh, get seats into his classes because he's an amazing painter. On the other hand, don't do that because a smaller class size means I get more of his time. There's always that double-edged sword, right? Right.
0: You want to you wanna have everybody give him the money, but you want the one-on-one session. Right, um, yeah, yeah absolutely so she's um, fantastic and as far as on my paint desk which isn't going to be terribly different than what it was the last couple of times we are still working on just about wrapped up the last donation Skelebro from the $25 donations and uh, I've actually been sucked into an art swap with uh, not whole clubs, uh Kingstart on Twitch
1: Oh, fantastic. Which
0: uh, I say sucked into, but like again, I'm very, very blessed to have that conversation with her, and I'm really excited to work on a piece for her, so I've got a 3D printed skeleton king, uh, Calabos, the skeleton king from clay cyanide, uh, which I'll be working on and putting on a plinth and making really cool. Uh, I I think I would do a bit of sculpting or reprint the top half of the body. There was a bit of a mix-up there, so a bit of work to go into that. Um, and so before before we move into, I've got two other questions for you before we move into kind of the nitty gritty end of life here. One of them I'm pretty sure I know the answer to and the other is just kind of a generic question to let people know that you don't just go everywhere with a model and a paint brush is uh, what, other, what other hobbies do you have? Then what else what else do you do? I know you in the capacity of a miniature painter. Um, and I know you've shared with me before that you play poker, but as far as hobbies yeah. are concerned, uh, what else do you got? Tell the people the rest or some of the rest of the story. Share as much or as little as you like.
1: Well, until the pandemic came along, I have been a pretty avid poker player uh, for probably a dozen or so years. Got into playing Texas Hold'em about the same time as everybody else did uh, during uh, when Chris Moneymaker won the World Series of Poker and the whole poker boom and all that blew up. Um, I was never really a gambler before that. I still don't consider myself uh, a gambler. I had some friends that were playing some uh, Texas Hold'em and they'd asked me a couple of times to come over and play. And I'm like, nah, man, like every time I play poker, I get like, you know, I get, I I lose it all. They're like, come on over, bring 20 bucks. You'd spend that much going to the movies and you get to hang out with some friends and drink beers. I'm like, okay, fine. So I went and I lost my 20 bucks. (laughs) Math adds up. Right? (laughs) It checks out. And as we're walking out, one of my friends turned to me and said, uh, you know, you know, Dan, they have books that teach you how to play poker. I'm like, really? Really? So next day I was over at the Barnes & Noble and found a book called The Theory of Poker. And I was, I got hooked on that. And so I tend not to have a lot of hobbies, but the hobby that I, whatever hobby I end up picking up, I tend to get in deep. I, I, there's no halfway. So I don't have a lot of hobbies. So I played poker for a dozen or so years until the pandemic At some point, you know, they will open that room back up and uh, I will probably go down and play again. But other than that, I paint. Uh, I tend to resist other hobbies. For example, like 3D printing. I have no desire. I, I think 3D printing technology is amazing and I think it's come a long ways. I don't have any desire for another hobby. I am entirely focused on painting right now.
0: And I think I think that's fair. I get that quite a bit to be honest about three D printing, but um I like I I obviously went all in on three D printing, which kind of it, it scratches oh, that, sure. that, that itch of uh, kind of that maker woodworking kinda itch. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it's got it's got all yeah. the precision that I want it to have and I see a lot of conceptual designs and stuff because of it. But I totally understand too though like I can I can very easily waste time uh burn time with a 3D printer FDM or Ryzen. like just I got to tweak this setting I tweak that setting so it makes it makes complete right. sense
1: and um you know I'm quite fortunate too because I've got a couple of friends that I've gotten into 3D printing near me so it's kind of nice cuz I don't really have to get into it in order to get 3D prints if I really want and that's so, just it. And I mean, like, like boats, right? Like, be, become friends with people who have boats. That way, you don't have any of the expense, but you still get to go out on the river.
0: Right. Absolutely. You know what? That's all. Like, I got. I can't do it. No. No. Thanks. Boats. No. Can't do it. <laughs> a lifeguard for many years. Love swimming. Love that. No. Get get the boat away from me. I don't know what it is. It's <laughs> just there's a whole bunch of variables there. I'm not interested in. Um, sure. The and the last thing before we get into the bulk of the, the interview here, uh, would you consider yourself more a gamer or a hobbyist at this point? I know, obviously, with the, the pandemic, uh, we've very, very heavily lean on the hobby during the pandemic, but
1: well, like I say, my gateway drug was DD, and so I still have um, uh, a d game that we've been playing with uh, my son and some friends of mine. Now for a number of years. It's the same campaign. We have a blast. Uh I don't play war games. I don't play 40k. I don't play Age of Sigmar. Uh I bought a couple of the squads for Underworlds and painted them up uh specifically so that I could use them on the D D table. So there was a pack of skeletons, like the the group of uh the sub uh, I can't pronounce it. sir. Yeah, sepulchral, I think guard. Um, so I got those, and then I got the Rippa's Snarlfangs. Like sometimes these names like give me fits, but it's the three goblins riding wolves, right? Yeah. Um, And I bought those for D and D minis, and then at one point I realized, well, I've got a couple of these warbands. Maybe I should probably figure out how to play this game. Uh, so my my son and I went to the local hobby store and they taught us how to play Underworlds. And so that's how they get you too, right. Cause I came home with a $60, you know, starter, starter box of that. Um, but other than that, I, I don't play any of the games. I'll play Underworlds. And I'm still kind of figuring out, trying to figure out how to, how to play that. But I'm very much a painter.
0: And, and that, and the math adds up. So I know, uh, they do definitely get you that way. So I, my local hobby store, um, is I, I. live in a town of a thousand, so I don't like have a, a, a FLGS. Right, like sure. that's that's not something I have. My <laughs> FLGS is uh, Meeple Mart or Amazon or whatever yeah, I yeah. can find online. But the I, don't know, it was, I guess it'd be four years ago now. The I went into Wonderland Toy and Hobby in Grand Prairie, Alberta. And I had an opportunity to sit and chat with the owner of it, right? Cause that there's a storied history there that I would love to break into because it's very cool. Um, but he had a quick chat about it and he was like, well, what are you buying today, right? And I said, well, I haven't really seen anything. I'm just here because the wife and I, we play Magic the Gathering together. Like, we're not hardcore meta. We're just like, hey, do you want to drink some coffee and play some cards? So we play Magic the sure. Gathering. Um, yeah. She's she's a green deck, so oh my god, why are animals all over my face? And I play blue. So you guys can start the hate train. I uh I'm a big fan of cancels and counters. Um, I've never
1: played a game of magic.
0: Don't <laughs> I to be truthful, I actually I still really enjoy it. And the wife and I when we get together, like we like I said, we don't do it professionally, so and it's sure. not like I'm not trying to make top 8 I'm just like hey I've got this wonky card and this is a guy punching a bear this is why it's in my right. deck right? Like yeah. the, the art and stuff is very cool I love it a lot um, but he was like hey if you like magic have you checked out Underworlds and it was Shadespire it was the first one at the time he's like man 80 bucks go, go 50-50 with your friend You he gets a board you get a board you get a warband he gets a warband you each get a set of dice off to the races you can show up to games night whenever you want and play a game of this i was like well that's interesting so i got into it um i got into it and it was actually the first warband that i bought was the sepulchral guard because i loved the the skeleton sculpts sure and, and that was they're great sculpts i love uh, them. i, I love those to bits i'm they they're still on my wish list and everyone's like what can i get you i'm like hey so, if you go to this website, if these are in stock, you should buy me this $35 box set. And they're like, Yeah, but you have those. I'm like, Yeah, but you should, like, that's, that's the, and it never happens. So, <laughs> um, so yeah. And then uh, actually, that was, I, I really like Underworlds for that. I really like Shadespire because it's, it's similar enough ish to magic in the way it executes its actions and it's played on hexes. So, yeah. Uh, the only individual that i've played in underworlds is against my wife and that's the other game she'll play with me I, like every now and then like we don't have the kids for a night it's like hey do you want to play magic and drink coffee or do you want to play Shadespire and drink coffee like, right i, I don't sure. i don't care what it is right like let's just say yeah. like we're not perfect we're not power gamers we just go so. yeah
1: let's just have some fun yeah
0: um which is fantastic and i'm when i remember when you were painting ripa's snarl fangs or whatever the hell gw calls them um, I'm. I was really excited to see that because I know like it was very much the same path that the wife and I took. Right, so it's very cool. Um yeah. So, been in the hobby for three or four years, right? Yeah. Um, you're. I'm gonna call you decorated, but that's just for. I'm gonna hype you up, and you're gonna have to get over that. Um, a decorated painter at ReaperCon, right? Silvers, which is amazing some of the other silvers in there were amazing and the golds were outstanding uh, yeah and that sort of thing you poker painting and d d which is fantastic so if you guys you guys should now have an image of what makes Drasil tick so like i said i asked the gamer hobbyist thing because i was like i, I know the answer to this but i gotta sure we, we yeah. gotta, gotta put it in recording here so We'll get into the hobby questions, which curiously enough are the ones I have more of. And uh, that's because I am a hobbyist and I don't do a whole pile of gaming. So yeah sure. We're gonna get into uh, I, I think a generic question that you and me talk about very frequently anyways. I know I've been on the on discord on the phone while I'm staring at the paints. So uh, do you have do you have a favorite line of paint or tools? And if so,
1: why? Currently, my favorite line of paint are the golden heavy bodies. Uh, That could change, though, because I just recently got a set of the Chimera paints, um, which are also single pigment. And that's the biggest reason why. The reason why is because the goldens are single pigment paints. they behave differently than uh, than the hobby paints. Uh, they they don't have a bunch of like opacifiers. And I can mix whatever damn color I want. I can push colors in different directions uh, with single pigment paints. Once you learn how to mix them, uh, which is a bit of a learning curve, I'll admit uh, it's so well worth it. Um, the only things that I don't like about the goldens is uh, they can get a little bit glossy, um, but it's nothing. A little matte finish, uh, you know, matte finish squirt from the airbrush doesn't fix. So I'm not too worried about the glossiness of those. Sometimes it does. Uh, while you're painting, it starts getting a little bit glossy and hitting off the lights and everything else. It can be a little tough to to uh, to see where your where your paintbrush is going sometimes, but by and large, I've not had trouble with that. And again, it, it, shoot it with a little AK Ultramat and you're, and it's just fine. The um... so, so In terms of tools, i even, I don't know, uh, maybe brushes. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Rosemary & Co. Series 33 are my favorite. Uh, the, the Series 22 are also good. They're a touch longer um, and they the, the 33s are a bit shorter. I feel like I've got a little bit more control over them. Uh, that being said, I have not tried Da Vinci's. I've not tried the Raphael's. And I've not tried a, a Winsor & Newton yet. Uh, I should. Eventually, I will. But when I when I first started buying brushes, really, you know, the nice brushes, it was um, a matter of cost. Um, so I could get a whole bunch of brushes from Windsor, or from uh, Rosemary & Co., For a pretty reasonable price, and they're just fantastic.
0: And like to to add to that, like I have a series 22, Uh, I have a number one series 22. That That has been my workhorse over the course of the entire Minotaur project. Every one of these skeletons I've done for the donation rewards, and many other models in between that. That has been my, my workhorse. Like, I need a good brush. So, that's the Series 22s. And I've actually bought three more, and those are the Series 33s. And so, let me save you the trouble, Dan. If you love the Rosemary Code, don't bother with the Windsor Newtons. I have the Windsor Newtons. Yeah. And if you really enjoy what, what the Rosemarys do... I think the only advantage the Windsor and Newton has over, like the Windsor and Newton one, the Series seven has over the Rosemary Co. one, the, even the Series 22, is I think the belly's a bit bigger. But, but sure. I, I, I didn't, like the, the price difference and, and the Rosemary Co. I'm sold on. I haven't run Da Vinci's. I haven't run Raphael's. I haven't, I've obviously been GW. I've, I've had, uh, artificers or whatever the hell they call them and just save yourself the trouble. Don't go.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I really like these, uh, but at the same time it's what I sort of grew up on, so to speak. Right. It's what I, it was the, kind of the first brush, uh, nice brush, Kalinske brushes that I used. And so when you do that, you kind of get used to that tool. Um, and I, I think, I, I've never felt the need to buy a different brush because there was something wrong with the tool I was using, right? And so I have just kind of stayed with them. At some point, I may pick up, you know, uh, maybe a couple of other things and try them out uh, just to see. But by and large, I've been so happy with the Rosemarys, I've I've never really felt the need to buy a different brush. It's it's got that. You know, here's an, here's another one that I like though the Windsor Newton. Um, what is this? It's the Cotman, it's a, it's not a natural hair brush, it's a synthetic uh, brush, but the Cotmans are really soft, and they hold a lot of liquid, and they are great for doing glazing, which is one of my favorite techniques. Um, If you just need to kind of like wash a filter over a whole area and just kind of pull it all together, these Cotmans are really nice for that. So I've got three or four of those that uh, that I tend to use for for that purpose.
0: And and for those of you who may be unaware, I'm going to ask this question because it was brought to my attention not long ago. Either you want to do you want to
1: describe what is a, a smooshing brush? Oh, smooshing brush. That's also from Rosemary and Co. It's a badger hair brush. It's round. It's not a pointed round though. It's a it's it's a very it's rounded off like the end of it's a bit like a ball, and it's uh, it so the bristles are really stiff because it's made from badger hair, and it's great for doing things like stippling or dry brushing. Or I got it just to kind of check them out. Um, uh, pretty much anytime I make a a Rosemary and Co. order, I'll throw in a couple of brushes that are not from the series 33 line just to just to experiment with it. so i've got some flats i've got some uh filberts i've got some other stuff from them and this was one of those brushes that i just kind of threw in on like, what smooshing brush what's that so i got it and i'm glad i did because i got a couple of different sizes now and they're fantastic they're great for stippling great for dry brushing you Can beat the crap out of them and their badger hair, so they just like they hold up so well. Um, so yeah, they're great, that's fantastic. Um,
0: because I know I think it was a 46 and 2 stream that he misplaced his smooshing brush, and you responded, Not the smooshing brush. Um, <laughs> so I had to bring that up. So that's that's something I haven't got into as I generally. I live inside the uh, Walmart dollar store special for the majority of what I call my bullshit work, and then I switch sure. into, yeah, I, yeah. into my silver bullet brushes, which are my rosemary, my Windsor Newtons, that sort of thing.
1: So, so here's here's the thing though, right? And I would encourage anybody to do this. Like, don't only buy the stuff that you see everybody recommending. Do some do some of your own experimentation. Like, I've got flats, I've got filberts, I've got rounds, I've got smooshing brushes, I've got all kinds of stuff. And a lot of it is, let me just try this and see how this brush works and see, maybe there's an application for it. And maybe there's not, maybe I'm throwing a few bucks away, but maybe I hit on something that is really, really cool. And nobody else, you would never know because nobody ever, nobody ever talks about using flats on minis. But if you want to get a lot of paint down fast, use a flat or use a filbert, like absolutely. If if you're doing speed painting and you're just trying to get slap paint on the model and get it down fast, like a filbert is awesome, right? So, so play around, like try something, you know, try new things um, and experiment for yourself, right? Oh, and that's
0: and that's all around sound advice for all of this. Like I know we've spoken about goldens. And heavy bodies, and that and that uh, that seems to be one of the problems in miniature painting is that everybody's looking for that silver bullet, like what what tool, what paint is going to make me the next, you know, Matt DPHO, Eric Swinson, you know, right. fill in the blank. Everybody thinks it's the the tools, but in that in that same conversation, I do want to point out that there is uh, a tradesman tradesperson like talent to sticking with what you know as well. Right. So experimentation yeah. is good and always learning is good, but I would like to point out at the same time, like it's like my linesman pliers as a, as I am a ticketed Sparky, right? Like I don't need a hammer, I've sure. got a linesman pliers. I don't need a prior, I've got linesman pliers. That's yeah, yeah. maybe a bit of a running joke, but like, I know my way around a set of linesman pliers is pretty good, you know, and you take that same yeah. kind of, this is the tool I use and this is the one that's been in my pocket day one of my apprenticeship. So it's uh, kind of, it kind of harkens that, but I'm glad you spoke to the experimentation um, and understanding and understanding that you may find something that works real well for you that nobody else would know because just about everybody in the community jumps up and recommends series sevens somebody's going to jump yeah. up and recommend Da Vinci right. and Raphael, and i'm even guilty of it as well I, I told you just in this podcast i said hey you know don't bother with that stick to your rosemaries because they're fine <laughs> but but i'm coming from that as a tradesman as a tool angle right but i can also yeah, understand yeah. that like maybe milwaukee makes a decent linesman pliers that i should try. they don't but it's not the point i'm trying to try to highlight here <laughs> but Milwaukee makes a lot of cool things, but...
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I I think that there is a difference between experimenting on your own, right? Like, with a new brush, or maybe it's a new paint, or whatever, right? There's a difference between trying something out and experimenting with it so you can learn and, and play and try it, as opposed to chasing the next silver bullet hotness that's going to make me an amazing painter. Like, there's no magic in any of the tools that I use. There's no magic in, like, I like the Goldens, but uh, for very specific reasons, and, and so I've kind of gravitated that way, but there's nothing in that paint that, you know, other people I haven't seen do with, you know, Vallejo or Reaper or, like, you can you can paint amazing models with whatever you got um so but playing around with it is is really about a, the learning process and the journey of like figuring stuff out and 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 stretching your own mind and brain to be able to um to, part of part of what makes these people such wonderful fantastic painters is that they've done the due diligence? They've done the practice. If you want the silver bullet, practice, 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 practice. practice. All right. Like, there's there's no magic in any of the tools. The magic is inside your your muscle memory and inside your own experience and and brain. Uh, and you got to put in the work.
0: Time and right effort. Right. Time and right effort. The uh, yeah. emphasis on right effort, because yes, because if you are Delip- if you're, if you're not deliberate in your learning. Um, and on that learning note, we're going to move straight into the next question here. Uh, I know you're solely responsible for why I now have a professional coach. And I'll get you to speak to that in a minute. Um, and then I do, however, before you got into the professional coaching world, uh, before you joined up with uh, Pirate Monkey and Matt DiPietro, and started learning yeah. from the professionals. What was your favorite way to learn a new technique? Like you were like, I was reading about, you know, NMM. Did you did you rely mostly on like YouTube videos? Did you did you head over to Twitch? Did you crush out a couple of blogs, say, a massive voodoo that sort of thing? Speak to me about that process of learning and and how you came to the conclusion of professional coaches.
1: Uh, well, initially starting off, I binge watched about everything on youtube i could get my I, I could get my browser to find right so i watched a, just a crap ton of youtube um searching around I, I, and a lot of times it was i would get to a spot on a miniature and i was not sure what decision i wanted to make or not sure how to achieve a particular effect right so i would paint for a half an hour I get to a spot where I was kind of stuck, and then go spend a couple hours on YouTube chasing down what you know a, something that would help me achieve a desired effect, and then back to painting. So those early models that I was painting took a long time, but a lot of it was because I would just go and 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 watch a you know an hour or two of YouTube to figure out how to do the thing that I wanted to do. Um, whether it was leather or wood or how do you paint this material or how do you, you know how do you do that? Uh, how do you get such smooth blends? right? I'm still working on that one. Um, but so there was a lot of that. Um, once Twitch came along, um, I tend to use Twitch more as sort of background noise and kind of hanging out with people. Most of the time if I'm on Twitch, uh, with a painter, I am also heads down painting. So I, I mean, and this is you probably shouldn't admit this to a Twitch streamer that I hang out with all the time, and not to watch you painting uh, because I'm doing my own painting. I, I use it uh, as it's it's almost like this background motivation to kind of keep me working, keep me and keep me going. Um, and I look up and I participate in chat, and then I go quiet for a while, and that's when I've you know I've gotten focused and I'm working on something. Um, but that's how I tend to use Twitch. Um, I find it kind of difficult to learn something new uh, on from Twitch streamers. Not to say that they aren't willing to answer questions; they are. Like I, I've never been on somebody's Twitch stream and asked a question and had them unwilling to try to help me out. Um, but it kind of goes back to sort of the coaching thing right uh and we'll get to that here, here i guess in a minute the other thing that i did very early on was since i was work you know working on a couple of miniatures i'm like man like everything is brown like i i need more browns and so i would go out and buy a couple new bottles of brown right because i need this brown or that brown how do i distinguish between all these different browns um and it and it occurred to me pretty early on that i needed to understand something about color theory Uh, so I bought a book, it was good, it was okay, it was helpful, uh, and then I discovered, uh, Color by Betty Edwards, and I bought that book, and I brought it home, and did the exercises, you got to do the exercises, and it really helped me get over any trepidation I had over mixing paints, because that book is really about, it's not just color theory, it's how do you mix paints, and how do you create colors, using color theory with the paints you've got and uh i can't say i honestly i think if if there's a new painter out there uh in their first <laughs> excuse me in, in their first three months um, that should be one of the if, if they're interested in, in progressing and, and learning and getting getting better uh that should be one of the purchases that they add Uh, right alongside paints and minis and brushes and all that nonsense is the book Color by Betty Edwards.
0: And just so nobody feels bad, if you get that book recommendation coming from Dan, you buy Color by Betty Edwards. I've been badgered for probably like eight, nine months now, and it finally (laughs) made its way into my cart at Amazon. So it is on its way. So you can...
1: I almost just bought a copy and sent it (laughs) along with the Minotaur. I almost did. I wish I would (laughs) have.
0: So... So don't worry. It is coming. Um, the, which I think is, which is, which is another thing worth, worth bringing up and talking about too, is that it's not, you're not using just uh, conventional miniature painting wisdom. I mean, obviously like we're, we're using acrylic paints. We're using some people use oil paints or enamels and that sort yeah. of thing. Like the idea of paint in itself is not new um it's just that we're tiny we're painting tiny sculptures it's the it's not the 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 thing that we're painting is the only thing that's different and even still it's not really that different um a lot of the techniques and stuff so it's it's cool to see you know say hey go and get this book on color theory or go and get this book by betty edwards or that sort of thing right like i know from my personal learning journey i spent more of my time obviously i'm watching like your vince Venturello's, your you know what i mean like you you're trying to spend a bunch of time discovering what your quote unquote style is and who you want to be the most like when i think you just need to kind of get into it but um and i'm sure we could destroy hours talking about your style and we may yet but uh let's uh let's touch real closely on the on the coaching cuz i know it was actually and an, it was an offhanded comment you made on the saturday hangouts that yeah. really really pushed me over the edge and I don't know like it wasn't deliberate it wasn't like JT you need to get coaching it was kind of I think I remember who we were speaking with but they were saying something like oh I can't do this or that and you had shared a story about uh, getting a coach and that that was the way to the next level and that yeah. was kind of that was when my light bulb turned on so if you speak to that and uh, the professional sure. coaches if you want to if you want to put names to them and let me know who your professional coaches are yeah. over
1: your career. Um so back you know I mentioned uh I got into poker pretty heavy right and so I had read, I went out and bought all the books, I was on forums, uh I was participating, I was it was all self-learning though, right? And at one point I Started looking around for a coach because my win rate was about six bucks an hour, right? And so I was a winning player, and I've got the spreadsheet to prove it over a long period of time, right? Uh, I'm not a not a pro, not making tons of money, but I can lead my I can beat my local one two game for you know at that point was about six bucks an hour. Uh, I went out and found a poker coach, and within six months my win rate had doubled right getting that one-on-one feedback from someone who's knowledgeable who's been there who's spent time in the trenches who understands uh who, who can see the mistakes that you don't even realize you're making right and so when i finally made the decision that i really wanted to get better at painting getting a coach was a no brainer for me. It was it was just automatic. Right? I mean, if I if I just wanted to hobby around, that's one thing. When I made the conscious decision of okay, I want to get good at this and I want to get very good at this. The very next step is who am I going to coach from? Right? Who am I going to get, you know, get coaching from? Um I have found in my in my experience, if you get one on one coaching from someone who knows what they're doing and not every coach is good for every student. Right. There's there's a certain personality match you've got to be able to make there. So if you try coaching with somebody, if somebody tries coaching with, you know, with one teacher and it, you know, it just doesn't quite jive or whatever, shop around, try, try some others. Because somebody, somebody out there will be the perfect uh, coach for you. Um, but if you really want to get good and you want to accelerate your uh, your journey without having to learn all of those lessons the hard way, the long way, over years and years, um, getting a coach is just it's it's just an obvious choice to, for me, anyway. Like I say, and I'd already had that experience with doubling my win rate at poker when I got a coach within six months. And so when I was like, Well, if I'm gonna get good at painting, I need a teacher. And and you see it quite a lot in a lot of other avenues
0: in life, right? So it only makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And when you're when you're an apprentice, you they're not like, all right, here's the six hundred amp panel, have fun. Like, no, like <laughs> they don't send you in there alone they put you they put you with a journeyman right or a journey yeah. person and you get and you get that tutelage that one-on-one that's the point of being an apprentice right like right it's, right it's, yeah like you did great on this joel except you you fucked this this and this and you're like i didn't even know those were options right and, yeah and yeah and that that came full circle when i started having my own apprentices so it's I, I still don't know why it took me so long to just jump on the bandwagon. So but real quickly, I know um, you you have been coached by Matt DPA, who is yeah. one of my favorite painters and somebody's work who I've admired for quite a long time, and I've just never put two and two together being like, I'm, what? Um, and a lot of that for me personally was the hobby itself being like, do you do you want to do you want to jump in two feet right or I always thought it was too expensive it was like you already spend you know hundreds of dollars on this like why would you do that right like, sure and so I know that my experience with Matt DiPietro is good and I know it's been the same for you but I I know you've moved on to another coach and I don't know if you have had any coaches prior to Matt DiPietro if you wanted to speak to that at all
1: yeah so Anthony Rodriguez uh, he goes by monkey's uh pirate monkey painting, right? Uh, I had heard so I met Anthony actually through um he was he was referred to me by Sam Lenz who I had gotten a commission done. Remember, remember those uh those five gemstone dragons that I bought uh and figured I'd learn how to paint uh before I got them well I'm gonna I'm gonna go off on a tangent here for a bit but I'll come back to the code tangent away. Right. Uh, So I got I finally got those dragons and I had been painting for a while by that point and had realized just how long a journey this painting thing might be. Right. And so I got this wild, crazy idea that like took hold of me and I couldn't shake it. And so. And that idea was, you know, I haven't spent enough money on these Kickstarter exclusive dragons uh, and, and I'm not quite comfortable to paint them myself and I don't know what other people's miniatures look like when they're painted. Why don't I get each one of these painted by a, a pro painter who has inspired me, who I've learned from, etc., etc. And so that began the second part of these Kickstarter dragons journey, which was uh, getting each one uh done by a different pro uh, that I that I just really admire their work. So Sam Lenz ended up getting the first one. He actually referred me to Anthony to talk to Anthony for a little bit. Uh about that time he had, had a an interview. He's done a couple of interviews. He did one with with um with useless wizard Ryan Miggs and he did one with Vince Venturella. And his story of his European trip like go listen to his interviews it's just an incredible story I knew I wanted to learn from Anthony uh, one when I got his dragon back and it's just gorgeous it's just amazing but I also knew I wanted to learn from Anthony uh, as a result of like him telling that story and his, his journey learning how to paint and where he goes for inspiration and the fact that he frequently looks outside of the miniature painting realm He looks to, he spends a lot of time talking about the old masters, Caravaggio, the pre Raphaelites, you know, all these Baroque painters and and Renaissance painters and that sort of thing. Um, And he often referred me back to them. So I started coaching with Anthony first, to be honest. And I've been with him ever since, right? Like I've never really stopped coaching with Anthony. Uh, I also picked up, uh, I, I did some coaching with, Matt DiPietro, and Matt's fantastic. I mean, both of those guys were just amazing. It kind of, For me, it kind of got to the point where, I mean, getting coaching from two different coaches uh, can start getting a little bit pricey, right? And um, the reason I went to Matt was because I had seen him using the heavy body acrylics so I'd also done coaching with Matt Pietro. He's fantastic. One of the reasons why I really wanted uh, to get coaching from him is because I knew he was using heavy bodies, like the golden heavy body acrylics. And Anthony had already turned me out of those. Um, and I was really liking them. And so I wanted to learn from somebody else who uh, would be using those tools. Uh, I've learned an awful lot from, from both of those guys. It's fantastic. Uh, ultimately, it came down to the fact that I, I really can't continue coaching with both of them for not just budget reasons, but also I tend to paint slowly. And so I was getting feedback on the same piece from two different people. And it's not always the same. It was always very similar, Right. But one of them would kind of nudge me in one direction and the other one would nudge me in a slightly different direction Then I'm. And so um, uh, kind of one of those things, you know, man with two watches never knows what time it is. Right. So, yeah. um, But I'll tell you what, both of them were very, very consistent about light. Both of them just like drilled that into my head over and over and over again. Where's the light source? What is the light doing? Where is it bouncing? Consistent application of the light across the miniature. Um, And uh, so in that respect, like, you know, a a lot of these, you know, pro painters are, are, if you look at their work, uh, look at where the lighting, where they're setting the lighting. I mean, that's and, and Matt's very open and honest and very upfront about that. He's like, don't worry about blending get the light right. Don't worry about trying to get this perfect blend or whatever. It's not about that. It's about the contrast. It's about the definition. It's about the, where the light is and where it's hitting and where it's not. So, uh, so I, uh, I ended up staying with Anthony, uh, him and I just like really meshed and had become good friends over, over the years and, uh, ended up road tripping down to ReaperCon together. And, um, and so I helped him work on his house. So I mean, him and I have, have gotten to be really good friends. And so I've stayed stayed with him for now. But at some point, I'm sure I'll end up picking up other coaches and learning from new people.
0: And and I can I can I, echo that as well. Not that I've uh, received coaching from Anthony, but that I've received coaching from Matt. And I can tell you right now, if there's a, I could regardless, it's like that, you know. I'm going to make the perfect bedsheet as a Marine. You, no, you're not. That's not how this works. There's, a, <laughs> there's always something wrong. Like yeah. perfect is not something you achieve. Uh, Matt drills that light into your head. doesn't matter what I show him or how perfectly I think I executed it. It is. I think it, this, that, this, that light, this light would do this light would do that. Like it's, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. And it's been, it's been great. So, real quick, thank you for pushing me over that edge. It's been wonderful. Um,
1: I'm glad, I'm glad that you did that and I'm glad you're having a good experience from it.
0: It's, it's certainly different. And I, I think uh, knowing that you're getting coaching at one point in time from two different coaches, that was my concern. Um, Is that, you know, knowing, knowing where my creative art direction is going and knowing how that Clashes with the creative art direction that Matt would take it. And it's not obviously intentional, like he's not like, hey, you're doing light wrong. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, Yeah. It it's one of those like uh and a lot of it has to do with some conversations we've had before as well about like, hey, like what I have in my head and what you have in your head. Uh you sent me a minotaur that is amazingly painted, and I sent you a minotaur that I think looks like garbage. Um, but, but the only, the only reason I think that it looks that way is because it's not what I had pictured in my head.
1: Yeah. It does not, in fact, look like garbage. It looks quite nice and I'm very thrilled to have it. So, but, (laughs) but the point, and and we spoke
0: to this a couple of times before, is that you can't see what's in my head for that piece.
1: Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why so many people are hard on themselves. And because you see the gap between what you had in your head and what you see in front of you. Whereas when you hand it off, when you hand that miniature off to somebody else and they look at it for the first time, they see exactly what's there. They can't see the vision. They can't see the desires. They can't see the potential, right? They don't see the gap. But as artists, one of the reasons I think that we are uh, consistently hard on ourselves is because... We know what we have in our head and what we're looking at isn't that. (laughs) And and that's, and that's perfect.
0: So, um, and, and in amongst, in amongst all your coaching and all your learning and all your D and D, and I know, uh, in technicalities, I've been painting longer than you, but you've already surpassed me and that's not a problem. Um, I'm excited to have you around all the time, Dan, I really am. The my question here has is coming like do you have do you have an epiphany moment like if there's there was a technique you were trying to learn that somebody said something offhanded to you or you're like oh that's how that works like was it glazing and washes which is where my example comes from is that like the difference between a wash and a glaze is that you take the wash consistency and you wipe most of it off on the paper towel before it touches the mold. yeah
1: yeah I think. I think that I, I guess I don't think of like eureka moments or epiphany moments. Like, I don't think that that's necessarily how most of my, how, at least for me, how most of my learning happens. My learning happens over a longer period of time. And so I, I rarely ever get that like ding, you know, that, that eureka moment. It comes from, very small adjustments to a practice, and practicing it over and over and over again, uh, minor variations, and 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 incrementally approaching what works best for me. All right. Um, now that being said, like when I when I first discovered that I could do a glaze without a fully loaded brush, right? If the if the brush is m- even moist if you can like see any wet coming off of it at all there's paint on there and you're putting that paint down so just how thinly like you can apply um, blazing uh, that was kind of a surprise for me I didn't um, I, I didn't think that there would be uh, that little paint that little amount of paint on the brush um, but by and large I I don't tend to have eureka moments I have I'll have ideas. And then a lot of work to try to iterate over and over and over and to see how I can implement that idea or how I can achieve that idea through the tools that I've got at my disposal.
0: This is going to sound really underhanded and like I think I'm full of myself, but I haven't had a
1: eureka moment in a long time. Um, yeah, I mean, I just don't think that that's how, I mean, I, I think we like like to mythologize those eureka moments right because it happens in books it happens in movies but I don't think that's how it really happens right inside our heads and like in our own practice I think Most- I think so like m-
0: m- my theory on this and feel free to challenge away when when you're a budding painter and you for me it was the testers miniature paints uh, or like model yeah, car sure. paints or whatever like when you yeah. start when you start there, it's all upside. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like when you're mm-hmm. when you're at the bottom, it's all upside, and you can absolutely hit eureka moments. Like, hey, what's dry brushing? Right? Like you can. Oh you know, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's it. Like, sure. W- what do you mean I can put my brush into this paint pot without water yeah. on it or fill in blank? Right? Or what do you mean I can do this? Like. That's that's kind of what I mean by eureka moments, and I bring up the the glaze because for a really long time in my painting career, I couldn't glaze. I never understood people were like thin your paints, thin your, which is my most hated piece of advice. And I'm going to do my very best yeah. to tangent the fuck out of here. But anyways, um, people always like thin your paints, like add water, add more water, add more water. But every time I put the paintbrush on the model. It was like, oh, good! I've got a wash now that I get to try to control right. this orb of yeah. tinted yeah. water, and it was that was my eureka moment on glazing. But I mean, beyond that, it's basically just a combination of different techniques you already know, and going through the process on how you achieve. Yeah. How do I get that blend? Is it wet blending, or am I going to glaze for NMM? Is it? Am I going to dry brush this, or I'm going to stipple it? what kind of texture do i want to drive where how do i and and that's that's kind of what i mean by that it's the
1: decisions you make along the way yeah and
0: and even still like i don't know about yourself but i know like personally for me especially when i discover something new or i get into a new technique that i really enjoy or it's like hey i made that breakthrough inching up to it yeah uh I tend to paint that way for a lot of models, and you can see it, especially after I'm at DiPietro Coaching, um, like on my Instagram. Like I have a very harsh light angle on everything, yeah. And yeah. I and I like it, but it's not accurate. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. So I'm so I'm off the high of that. Like this is really cool, and I can flex this blend and learn the transitions. And they've only been getting better right. as I've been using them. But yeah, it's it's yeah. One, it's. It's like you said. It, it boils down to practice and deliberate effort. So,
1: all right. Um, so here's one one more one last little eureka moment. Then, uh, in that in that in that context, right? I would be remiss if we got out of this interview without talking about sexy in a tube. So Anthony talked about uh, the you know just the the sheer saturation you get out of the single pigment uh, paints. And uh, and that was one of the first ones that he recommended to me, and I didn't really have a good magenta, and I brought that tube of quinacridone magenta home, and I cracked that baby open, and I smeared some of that out on some paper, and I was like, holy smokes, I've never seen anything like this before, and that is my favorite paint right now. Like I, I a little bit of that ends up in almost every. Not I'm not painting like big magenta pieces. But a little bit of that paint finds its way onto almost everything I paint. So, See, I haven't
0: I haven't got there that you keep telling me it's sexy in a tube, and I agree with you it's sexy in a tube. It's just I, I lack the color knowledge. I'm hoping that colors by Betty Edward uh, sorts that out for me. But
1: Do the exercises.
0: <laughs> you're, you're pretty adamant on that. You make a book recommendation, and then you're like, and do the exercises. Like, Don't just yeah. like,
1: oh, look, I have a book. Don't just read it. Like you can, you can't. No, that doesn't do you any good. Um, you can read it and you can kind of understand it, but if you do the exercises, it 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 will show you things in the process of actually doing the work that you won't get from just reading. So,
0: um, I'm I am excited. I do have quinacridone magenta. It is quinacridone, right? Yes.
1: Yes. or well, so I went. I had heard it both ways. I had heard it quinacridone. And then I'd heard it. Um, uh, oh, now I'm now I just blanked on it. Queen of Cridon, right?
0: Cri- what? <laughs> I'm Queen sorry, of you you just went from like I'm understanding to what? Um, right.
1: Queen. Queen so of... I'd heard it both ways, and I think Matt ask Matt because he I think he he pronounces it uh, Queen of Cridon. I'm I'm gonna have to do that now. So <laughs> I went out to Google. I'm like, okay, well. V- Google is all knowledgeable, right? And so it actually had three correct pronunciations, and I don't even remember the third one because I couldn't I couldn't make heads head or tails of it. Um, so quinacridone, yeah. and Yeah.
0: and that's an appropriate pronunciation of that.
1: Uh, apparently,
0: that's Qu- not the one. I heard. No, no, we we call it <laughs> quinacridone. Right, I think. Like I have to be honest with you, I've got like quinacridone magenta is not on my my favorite heavy bodies list right now. Um, right now, it's going to be Payne's gray, which is slowly making its way into my favorite color of all time. Yeah, um, no, you're sure. But it's dioxazine purple. Dioxazine yeah. purple, I really love. I really love the richness it puts in the shadows. I love how dark it yeah. is. I love how cool it is. It's just Beautiful. And for those of you listening at home, if you're like, man, we just had a whole bunch of really random words. These are golden <laughs> heavy body acrylics.
1: Um, yeah, I, I did the, uh, I used the dioxazine purple on the cave troll. Um, and so I got a chance to kind of spend some time with that color and kind of follow up with that too. I love um, it. it is color. Um, very, uh, more on the blue shade, I think. Uh, blue tone. Um,
0: it's a very cool purple. It is. Yeah. It's not, it's more of like an indigo, like in when I mean, you're looking at the spectrum, like it's more of an indigo than it is a violet. Because like a violet, right. you've got the reds and it's a very warm purple. And then you've got your, you know, your lavenders and your indigos and stuff like that. And those are very cold purples. Um, and I I really dig the cold purples because I happen to really like blue. Blue is my go-to color. Like as a kid, if you said, hey, what's your favorite color? I'd been like blue. Right here, that's me. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. And that's and that's why I lean that way. But um, the I will say this about the dioxazine purple, and I don't know if you can, I can put all sorts of goldens on my wet palette, and they keep really well, except for dioxazine purple. Dioxazine purple gels like after a day, like it, it becomes right a the solid. Yeah, it would gel up a lot faster than the others. Right, and I thought like like Payne's Gray and Titanium White and Carbon Black. You're two or three days before that really becomes an issue, right? right. Like, I mean, it's Titanium White I've used for about a week. I think is as long as I got away from it. But that that was because like every time I sat down, I was adding another color or another yeah, sure something sure. to sure. it. But that was that would be the only thing I would say about no,
1: does it Purple? I have to imagine that that's actually in the pigment because I don't, I would imagine that golden probably uses the same or a very, very similarly uh, mixed medium for all of those heavy bodies. They wouldn't, right. And so I wonder if that's a function of the, of the actual pigment diacs.
0: Like I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a paint scientist by any stretch of the means. Neither am I. That math adds up real hard. It's either, that's my one. hypothesis. The other the other angle could be though, because because you and I have both come to that conclusion, uh, is that every now and then you get you get an odd glossy. I'm curious if some of the pigments don't do well with the medium that ends up matte. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, it could be. If if you had to go for a dioxazine purple, but you had 12 seconds to use it, you're probably not excited about it. Or If you're quinacridone (laughs) magenta, like if you if you were if you're like twink, here you go. You've got one minute thirty seven seconds before the medium and the pigment make it and call it done. Um, Right. Spitballing theories. There, I am. I am not a fucking pigment scientist. Somebody, don't hang me out to dry. So, man, we're we're doing real good. I'm loving it, Dan. We've got a couple of other little questions here we have got uh, so we're, we're actually doing really good I feel anyways uh, and I think I think we covered most of this fuck I'm an idiot who in the painting community inspires your work and who do you want to be like and I know we've spoke at great length about this basically already um, but and being, being the individual that's like I need coaching most professional miniature painters offer coaching up in some capacity or another if you not to essentially be a carbon copy of somebody but if you had to put an influence on your style where where is that coming from from anybody and if we could remove the so like obviously for myself i would try to remove i'm coaching with matt and you're coaching with anthony
1: so let's talk for a second about style I don't. I don't know that I have a an established style yet. Like there are some people, for example, uh, Eric Swinson. For example, his style tends to be very illustrative, right? Um, If you look at someone like Mikhail Pizarski Land Studio, like you can look at a piece and tell that it's his. Right. Like it, he's got a certain like the way he paints the non-metallic metals, the way he paints skin. Like you can kind of uh, I can scroll through through Instagram and I'm like that's a land piece. Right. And, and I couldn't do that. Not everybody can do that. Not everybody can do it, especially when they're first starting off. But when you spend enough time studying people's work, you can kind of get to the point where you can kind of pick theirs out of a lineup with pretty high degree of accuracy. Um, There are a lot of just amazing painters out there, and in terms of my own style, I don't know that it's really emerged yet. Um, I'm not trying to emulate anybody else's style. I'm trying to learn how to paint, and I'm going to let my own style sort of emerge over time, and I'm not worried about it. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to paint in comic book style, or I'm not trying to paint in grimdark or e 20, right? I'm not trying to paint a particular style. I'm painting to achieve what's in my head. And when I get good enough at doing that um, and I get closer and closer to what's in my head, I think my style will sort of emerge on its own. Right now, that being said, there are a shitload of artists out there. And I learn about new ones every day that I find inspiring. Right some of my favorites include people like uh Chris Surrey. I absolutely love his work. He's not a pro, he's a doctor, right? Um I'm I'm lucky enough that I I'm looking forward to getting the chance of meeting him at Warfare Weekend. Uh the so when he the first time my introduction to his work was the piece that he did called How to Train Your Dragon. And it's where he used a Carol Rudick dragon and another like 55 mil piece, I think, and uh, chopped up the dragon and re-sculpted huge parts of it and wrapped it around this thing. And the first time I saw that piece, I was just blown away. was just absolutely blown away. I couldn't believe it. And I've gone back to that piece over and over and over again over the last three and a half years occasionally and just stared at that piece again it was it was my introduction to his work and he's since then he's he loves doing these like big dioramas um, he he's not necessarily the greatest painter right he's gotten better as you know just in the time that I've been watching his work but it's amazing right um, and then you look at people like Lance Studio whose non-metallic metal is pro it's just off the charts right mark Masklins, his work on skin is just amazing um, he did a piece that was... Um, it was the... Uh, it was like a younger girl with the hawk. And uh, she was like a... I don't know if she was Inuit or, or what she was. But just the way that he represented her skin on that piece was just mind-blowing to me. Right. And so I, I seek out people who inspire me. And I, and I admire their work. And I'm like, okay, how could I do something similar to that? Or how, what, how could I learn from that? How could I learn from maybe it's a technique that they use, maybe they're using stippling or this or that or whatever else. Right. Um, one that I just recently discovered was, you know, airbrush blending. I'm like, I haven't tried it yet, but I'm like, that sounds interesting. How could I use that in, in, how could I add that to my toolbox? Right. Um, I think it's important for people not to get too wrapped up about comparing their work to other people's work, especially people who've been painting for a long time. Compare your work to your previous work. And if you see something amazing online, don't get upset or like. Get wrapped around the axle of, oh, I'll never be that good. You can get that good. It takes a lot of work. But look at that and be inspired by it be amazed by it right let your inner child out for a minute and just look at it and stare at it and be overwhelmed and, and, and amazed and then go okay how can I get closer to that how can I do a little bit better in my own work how can how can I use this as an inspiration to improve my own work and and
0: I think that's fantastic and I do I do want to highlight that I think um, in the Discord community, anyways, I had a couple of things here to say, so I'm gonna fill the void. The, I absolutely do think you have your own style. I don't like it's not apparent to you. I if, I think if you put, if we could find somebody who was the unknown third party, and you put the my Minotaur and your Minotaur down, like show them a bunch of your work, show them a bunch of my work. Put the Minotaurs down. I can almost guarantee they'd pick yours out. Perhaps. I and that's and that's just me. Yeah. I cause cause I sure. I I I'm pretty sure I can pick your piece out. Maybe not out of like a perfect lineup, but you you do tend to paint a certain way, and and I know, I know where it's at. You know, what sure. Kind of like, Verve with the swerve. If it doesn't have some variety of OSL on it, Verve didn't paint it yeah (laughs) you know what i mean maybe maybe not quite that extreme right but um i do think you do uh i just maybe it's not as polished so to speak sure in the sincerest best way possible that you can sell that no that sounds really underhanded um
1: but well again i'm not worried about that right like i'm just like doing me and uh like one of the best pieces of, of art advice I've ever heard came from David Bowie when he said don't play to the gallery. And that's like go face your own like do the things that inspire you. Make your own art. If other people like it great. If they don't fuck them
0: <laughs> Yeah, don't
1: absolutely. The, the uh and that's and that's the point
0: I want to make is that you're in you're in the discord and you make a handful of posts and you even make it down into the, into the dank memes with your inspiration advice where yeah. I think it was, uh, if I remember the meme mostly correctly and somebody's like, Oh, you're such a talented musician. I, I don't know how you guys do it. And it's like practice. It's practice. Like, yeah. Some people are just born this way and it's like, no, it's practice. Yeah. I'll yeah. never figure it out. No, it's practice. <laughs> um, and so I do. I do appreciate that because I mean that's not to, not to just take sunshine and blow it up everyone's asshole and be like, yeah, it's great. Um, but but it is it is a truth to a certain degree, especially in miniature painting. And even if you paint armies, um, it like the last model you paint in your hundred man army is going to look better than the first one you paint in your hundred man army. Whether or not you're a seasoned veteran or it's the first time you've put paint on the model. Right, true, true. Right. Like, there's, that's just the way that it is. Like, there's no, your your time in the saddle, so to speak, is going to dictate how well you do. And, and you've kind of always championed that in, in the Discord, right? You've always championed it. You've always been supportive. You've always, if there's something that I can't answer, which is quite a few things, um, you always seem to have, uh, a piece of advice or a direction or even like hey check out so and so's work they do a really good job of this. Yeah. Uh your ear to the ground on that is m- much more uh attuned than mine. I'm just kind of like, uh oh, streaming, De- deer in the headlights. <laughs> um but so which is fantastic and I'm I'm excited to be having this chat with you.
1: Uh, we are in Well, hard to ask you to say I appreciate that. Um I you know I I try to be helpful and I try not to like steal spotlight that type of thing but like um I mean, I I I have really fallen in love with this and if I can help someone else move uh you know remove a, an obstacle or remove a mental barrier because that's really what all this all these things are they're mental barriers most most of the time. Um and get get someone moving again or get someone inspired to you know try you know, try something new or try, try again, um, when they fail, like, that's, that's why I'm here, right? Like, I, that, that's the kind of feedback, or that's the kind of, like, participation I enjoy engaging with, um, you know, in, in this community. And, and, and which is, which really
0: speaks to, to even the, even the Minotaur project that we did, that Try Hard project, and I'll go on record and say it, and I'm going to be interviewing Gore and I'm going to tell him this, but, like, well, that was that was very cool. That was a very cool experience and it's been very cool for me as as a streamer. Um to get an opportunity to see him grow as a painter. Yeah. Uh yeah. to see Daily grow as a painter, to see Holps grow as a painter.
1: Right.
0: I can I can wholeheartedly right. tell you when I said this the day we did the reveal, I I did not expect Gore's model to look that good and that sounds really underhanded and and like I'm a dickhead and it is. It is it was a it was a bad judgment call on my part because I didn't I didn't think he had the capacity to do that. But that's
1: that's out of the park. I mean for for I don't I don't know like he's been painting for about a year. And he hasn't really been really pushing himself for most of that year, I don't think. Uh, and so for him to show up uh, at that reveal and have, have having pushed himself harder than he is used to, I think it was really good for him. And it he just it looks really really good, especially right? for a year end. I mean, we're not like blowing smoke up anybody's ass around, like you know, oh, this could be you know, box art. No, but for where he is, it was amazing and it was awesome. And I love to see it. it was, I love to see it. it and I love to see him push himself. Uh, you know, again, you know, uh w- with other pieces. Yeah, and I, and I think um, that's, he, he's got it in him. He's got it in him.
0: There's a that's a big part of the reason I think that we're we're lining up to do that all again next year. Um, yeah, because summer seems to die with the miniature painting, right? Which makes sense. You know, you're going outside, you're sure. having fun, your yeah. outdoorsy things, especially in Canada. You know, winter it's here most of the year. Um, right. Might as well take advantage of the construction season and, and while you're waiting in line, I haven't got a pallet set up in my truck, but maybe next year. Um, <laughs> the, uh, but no, and that, and that, and that's just, like I said, I do appreciate having you in the community for that reason. It's, it's very cool. Uh, even the Minotaur project and stuff like that. So um, last, last kind of interview question before we get into two, two, I got two more. Okay. And if I already know, you spoke to this already. What do you, before Twitch, how do we do that? Before Twitch, when you're painting, what do you listen to? Do you audiobook? Do you YouTube videos? Do you music?
1: Do you movie on in the background? Yeah, I, so I've tried most of those. I can't do movies or shows. Because what happens is a movie or a TV show is a visual experience, right? Yes, I can hear it, but it's mostly a visual experience. And so what happens is, I look up to check out like whatever it is I'm watching, um, and get sucked into that and forget that I'm supposed to be painting. So I can't do movies and shows. Um, I'll do, uh, and and even now with Twitch, like you know, there are times where you know someone that I'm following isn't. You know, there's gaps in that. So um, some. I'll, I'll mix it up a lot uh, sometimes it's music sometimes it's podcasts um, I have not gotten into audiobooks yet um, because mostly because there's enough there's enough twitch music or podcasts that there's not a big gaping hole waiting to be filled with something like an audiobook um, but once I get caught up on all the podcasts or whatever else uh, or I might I don't know I I might dive into audiobook at some point. Um, but I tend to mix it around. Sometimes it's YouTube. Uh, sometimes I'll like, listen to... Uh, I get most of my news off of YouTube. Um, I've not really watched uh, any of the the main cable news uh, outlets in probably years now. Um, and that's something that I can... It's While it's a video, I don't have to watch it. I can listen to it and, and keep painting. So there's, you know, so I do uh, some YouTube. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of a mix. It's kind of all over. Kind of whatever I'm in the mood for.
0: And that's fantastic. Fantastic. So just before we get into the fun questions. Okay. The fun questions are from the hip. Not real hard questions uh, to answer. Okay. They're, they're not. Uh, some of them are hobby related some of them are not sure um but the last last interview question here uh if the roles were reversed if you were interviewing someone what question would you have asked that I didn't ask why do you paint why I never did ask why why do you paint Right. So, so why do you um,
1: paint? So, I, I, one of the things that Roman Laporte does occasionally is uh, on Instagram, he'll just post up like one of his own quotes. All right. And I'm going to butcher this. And I, and I remember it uh, slightly differently than the way it's actually worded on, on his, uh, on his Instagram. But um, uh, it's the way I remember it is, and the way that I think of it in my own head is, Know for yourself why you paint. Right? So it's a little bit like everybody plays poker the same, the exact same way, however they want to. Right? Yeah. For painting, everybody paints for their own reasons. And no, I haven't run across any of those reasons yet that are wrong. Some people are trying to get models on the table so they can play a game. There's nothing wrong with that. That's awesome. Have at it, Haas. There are some people who are just getting into the hobby and not even sure if they like it or not. That's fine. Right. Let's not, you know, let's, let's help them along the way. Uh, there are some people who, uh, want to do, uh, who want to win competitions. Fantastic. Right. Like everybody paints for their own reasons. And, and again, I've never heard like a wrong reason to paint. Right. So I try to remember because it's easy to like look at other people's work online and say, Oh, that's amazing. Or, Oh, that's shit. Right. Well, it's helpful to remember that everyone's painting for their own reasons and everyone's at a different place in the journey. And so that, you know, don't the, the corollary to don't compare your own work to what you see on the internet, don't compare two different works on the internet to each other. Don't judge. Because those artists are in different places. And they might be painting for very different reasons. Right? So, why do I paint? I, and we're about to get kind of deep here at the end. Fucking love it.
0: It's good because, like, the four are going to be rapid fire and you're going to be like, I can't believe you asked me that fucking question. (laughs) Um.
1: I paint for a lot of reasons. One, I love this hobby. I love the fact that I spent. Uh, I'm I'm getting ready to turn 50 next, next, early next year. For my entire life, I've never really appreciated art. I didn't get it. I you know like go to an art uh, you know an art show or something like that and like I don't understand it right. I didn't really appreciate it until I started doing. It. And so one of the reasons I paint is because it gives me an appreciation of art that I've never had in, you know, before I started painting at age 46. Right. That's one thing. Um, Another thing is um, I, I paint because it's enjoyable. I'm an introvert. And so it's enjoyable for me to just sit here in my closet and you know i've got a spare you know well, it used to be a spare it's my it's my office and uh painting studio now um i can i can burn off the hours in here creating something that unlike a video game there's something when i'm done that i can show people right there's something tangible and there's there's a lot of that's very fulfilling to be able to like you know hey i did this right here's here's a here's a piece of art that i made um but the biggest reason I paint right now and and once I made the decision that I wanted to get to get to be a, a, a very good painter, um, you know, you have those moments where you kind of reflect back on what you've done in your life and what you haven't done in your life. Or, you know, and again, I'm getting ready to knock. I'm knocking on 50 years old. I've been good at a lot of things. Like I would get. I've been pretty good at most everything I've ever really put effort into, right? Like, um, I've been very fortunate in that respect. But I've never been excellent, like truly amazingly excellent at anything. Like, I've been good at a lot of things. I've never been truly exceptional at anything. And I would like to become a truly exceptional painter.
0: And that's fantastic. I think that's a great reason to paint. I think that's a wonderful why. Um, right. And I, I don't know. I, why that never make my list as a question to ask? I, that pisses me off. That oh. that is that is is t- double-edged there. You, you are filling in the blank, sir. That is a fish for <laughs> content <laughs> question. And a question for you. You just asked yourself a question, and I got the answer, and I'm going to use that again. So thank <laughs> you very much for that. I think that's a fantastic reason, and uh, and, it, and it speaks to a whole bunch of truths again, right? Uh, Shorty Paint Studios, for an example, one of the guys that I, I spent some time with on Twitch, he's, he's a commission painter, but he paints for tabletop. On she yeah. goes. Boom. Nothing so, wrong with that. He cranks models out like nobody's business. Yeah. They're good looking. They're they're great looking, even. Is he gonna walk yeah. into a golden daemon or a crystal brush or a resin beast and walk away with wind? Love you, Shorty, but no. Like
1: right.
0: and and there's nothing wrong with that. Because the right. sheer volume of models that guy puts out is insane. Yeah. Even Drax oh, yeah. or Waple. Wapple is like the enigma. If we want to talk about the Enigma, mm-hmm. like the man paints to an absolute right. astonishing standard in a mere matter of seconds, it seems. Um, but he's been doing it for twenty years. No, and that's just it. And he's you know what I
1: mean? And he and it's not just that he's been painting for twenty years. It's his been bread as bread and, and painting butter with purpose.
0: It's his bread and butter for twenty years.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. Before Patreon.
1: Like yeah. So, yeah. Uh, no, sheer, sheer volume. He is he is a machine, though. Like, like, I, I, am not sure that that man ever sleeps. I don't know. Like, I, I think he's got access to some sort of magic pixie dust that allows him to like uh, sleep three hours a night and like you know just churn work for the other you know I for just, all the rest.
0: Hey, man! It's a pleasure to have him in the community. Even oh yeah, even course. over there, right? That actually came yeah. up in my last uh, Matt Dpatro call about uh, the Gen Con speed paint competition. Matt walked yeah. away with the win, but he was he swore up and down he was going to lose to Waffle the entire time, for <laughs> <laughs> the entire hour. He was like, "That guy's got my number."
1: Um, right? Yeah. <laughs> and well, both- and Wapple has won a number though, right? <laughs> so like uh, they do that every year, and Wapple he's he's tough competition in that re- in
0: that regard. So, um, but even but even still, there's there's another good one. Some people want to work for Games Workshop and they want to do the box art. Sure. Some some people want to narrate their painting process on Twitch and be an asshole while they're doing it. Here we are. This is how it works. I'm not actually shooting to be an asshole. That's not. That was a shot at me, but that's not actually a goal. The. So let's, uh, before we do the stereotypical social media questions and that sort of racket, let's, uh, real quickly, we'll hit, we got, I think, three or four quick rapid fire questions here. Uh, brush liquor. Are you a brush licker?
1: Yes, but I'm not a paint ear. Uh, I tend to, like, I will rinse out my brush and then repoint it in my mouth. Okay. Okay.
0: When you... um,
1: for when I've got cadmium red or cadmium-based paints on my palette, uh, which some of my paints have cadmium in them, and I'm always very aware of when I've got cadmium on the palette and I, I make a point of not licking the brushes, even after I rinse the palette. A
0: hot beverage, if you have one, or a beverage... What do you drink primarily when you sit down to paint miniatures? Coffee or tea?
1: Uh coffee in the mornings. Uh, in the winter time, I'll drink green tea, but other than that, it's usually just water. Brand of green tea?
0: Uh, loose leaf, if I can get it. Ooh, fantastic! Fancy, fancy. Um. With your hot beverage, how many times have you put your paintbrush in your hot beverage rather than your water cup? Never. Lucky man. It's only happened to me once, and it happened on stream, and it got clicked.
1: <laughs> uh, it
0: was like the worst day of my life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I've never done that. Uh, my coffee cup is a big uh, steel thing. Uh it's like a 16 ounce uh steel travel mug um and then my um and then i i will usually clean that out and uh, and drink my hot tea out of that as well so that's like and i've had that for years and years and years um, my paint water is actually a friendly farms cottage cheese container um i like that because it's got it holds a lot of water and so i can you know it, it will means it, it will hold on the idea of like the muddy paint water like really annoys me like if my paint water gets too dirty i i gotta go freshen it up dump it out and get new ones um and then the other cool thing about right um uh, yeah that that would bother me uh and then the other cool thing about the uh these plastic uh cottage cheese containers right is that across the top of them i have uh glued down tiny little bits of sprue because I tend to put my paint brushes across the top and the sprue keeps them from rolling off. And so it's, it's kind of my, my little, my little thing. I wish you guys Um, could see this. That's legit.
0: This is some of that fucking next level shit that I was hoping to learn. Um... The, which is, fantastic. it's just little tricks like that. Like, with Sam Lenz is the elastic band on the, on the coffee cup for store and his yeah, brushes sure. tipped down. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, and our, our last joke question of the day, All right? All right? When you wake up in the morning and you eat cereal, I mean, if you don't eat cereal anymore, that's fine. You still have to answer this question. <laughs> <laughs> So you pour your cereal out, you got your corn puffs or whatever the hell you eat your corn plate. Right.
1: When the milk hits the cereal,
0: do you eat it as fast as you humanly
1: can? You're so on a this fucking timer, stuff? man. You're on a fucking timer. You cannot let that shit get soggy. You <laughs> can't get soggy? Okay.
0: We can continue to be friends. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. Like People are like, I'm just going
1: to let me know. He, cereal cannot go soggy. Then. the only things that really need any sort of amount of like soak time are things like grape nuts, and but then you're you're dealing with a tight window. Like, they got to still be crunchy. They got to be soft enough to be able to eat them yeah. without cracking your teeth, right? But they cannot get so soggy. That they still have to have a little bit of crunch to them. So yeah. so your window is shifted. They need a little bit of soak time, and then you can eat them. But then then it turns to mush and you just, you can't, that's, that's no, it's no. over. You can't. Right. You can't like,
0: and and there's no harder cereal on the planet to eat fast than rice Krispies. Cause like you've got like a 45 second window from when the milk hits the cereal to right. get going.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, yep. I always find it like, so I know that's like an oddball question, but I love it because the opinions on that part of life are very, very opposing, right?
1: Oh, yeah. There's no there's no middle ground there.
0: You know, and I mean, maybe it's just from my end, because, like, I love my wife dearly, but she loves soggy cereal, and it drives me insane when I watch her make a bowl of cereal in the morning, and I'm like, hey, you've got to get on that. Like,
1: <laughs> like, like she the timer the, the is walks away and
0: you're like, what are you doing?
1: You're on <laughs> <in> the clock.
0: <laughs> the timer is started. Get after it. That's not going to be right. any good. So, um which is fantastic and it, it it's always like i said it's always very opinionated or maybe it's yeah. just that i'm super opinionated and i make it a big deal which doesn't matter it's because i'm right when it comes to this series. oh no
1: no you're you're absolutely right like you get that milk in there you better not have to go out and go to the bathroom or some shit like you, you you're on the timer started you're on the clock um
0: all right then so real quick i do want to say thank you for coming on and doing an interview today i appreciate it very much uh your work is absolutely astounding ladies and gentlemen uh dan check out some of his works i know you can reach him on social media but is there any anywhere else that you'd like to be contacted your socials if you want to drop them down here uh i'll put the links in the description
1: yeah, so probably the best place to reach me um is my Instagram. Um it's just imladril. Uh we'll, we'll, I can spell that out for you. It's I M L A D R A S I L. Um which actually is a play on uh the elven word for Rivendell is Imladris. And so um so it's it's a play on um, I, I love elves. I love Tolkien elves, um, and I love Lord of the Rings. I've read it well over a dozen times in my life. Um, I got into D anD D through, uh, you know, Tolkien is just like he's a grandmaster, right, of, of an entire genre. So um, I'm a huge fan. So yeah, my screen name in um, is a play on that, and that's probably the best way to reach me on. Uh, uh, well, you can catch me on a couple of different discords. But probably the best way, if you're trying to reach me, um, is over Instagram. That's
0: Go right. and check out his work, ladies and gentlemen, over on Instagram. I guarantee you won't be disappointed. Uh, that's, again, over on Instagram, at Uh On the forever journey to get better, looking for excellence. Thank you very much, Dan, for taking the time to have a chat with me today. It was an absolute joy. We are looking at an hour and 51 minutes, if you can believe that which I am not at all surprised because this is very common for us. So uh, maybe we'll have to do another part where we uh, hypothesize about paints and chat and get into it again. So I really do appreciate that. Sure. Uh, well,
1: let me just say I'm honored and really appreciate the opportunity to come on and chat with you about this and kind of share, share some stories with the rest of the community. Um, I'm, I'm really honored and thankful for, uh, for this chance.
0: No problem. You're going to have more chances, player. Don't you worry about that. I'm going to get you on stream. It's going to happen. So thanks very much, ladies and gentlemen. Have yourselves a wonderful day, evening, week, whatever it happens to be where you are. And I'll catch you next time.